0: This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of different tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com forward slash B-E. That's IXL.com forward slash B-E.
1: TL Talk Radio, Season 2, Episode 7. Welcome to season two, episode seven of TL Talk Radio, a regular podcast with Lynn Funyhetton and Randy Zickenfoos, where our goal is to engage you in learning, motivate you to share your work, and inspire you to lead for the change we need in schools for the digital age. I'm Randy Zickenfoos.
2: And I'm Lynn Funyhetton. In this episode, we're excited for you to hear from Warren Berger. Warren's the author of the 2014 book, A More Beautiful Question, The Power of Inquiry to Spark Breakthrough Ideas. And Randy and I have both had the chance to read this book and um, actually listen to a- another podcast. So we're really excited to talk with Warren, he's an expert on design thinking and innovation. He's studied hundreds of world's leading innovators, designers, education leaders, creative thinkers, and startups to analyze how they are asking these game changing questions, solve problems, and create new possibilities. Warren believes that questioning leads to innovation, and that can help us be more successful in our careers and can spark change in our businesses and lives. Uh, Warren has written six books, including the international bestseller, Glimmer, How Design Can Transform Business and Your Life, he also currently writes for Fast Company, Harvard Business Review, and has been a longtime contributor at Wired Magazine and the New York Times.
1: Well, welcome to the show, Warren. Thank you. It's great to be here. It's wonderful to have you spend some time with us. Uh, talking with us this afternoon about your work and about your book. So let's start with that phrase in the title. Tell us, what is a beautiful question? How might you define this? How do you define this? And what specifically is the beautiful question that's behind a more beautiful, beautiful question?
3: Well, um, it all the, the origin of that, of that title and my use of that phrase um, goes back to when I was first working on the, the idea for the book uh, I came across a, a great line from the poet E. E. Cummings, and uh, E. 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 Cummings wrote, um, "Always the beautiful answer, who asks a more beautiful question?" Mm-hmm. And I really liked that line, and I thought at the end of it, "A more beautiful question," would make a perfect title. So I had my title, and then I just had to write the book.
1: <laughs> but. Uh,
3: but But then as I started working on it, um, you know, I I started to talk about beautiful questions a lot in the book. It it became a a term that I really liked to use. Um, And the way I define it in the book, and this is uh, this is, uh, you know, totally uh, subjective. This is just my own definition for purposes of the book is I say that a a beautiful question is uh, an ambitious yet actionable question that has the potential to bring about change. So when I was working on the book and I was looking at all these stories of how great uh, products or services or ideas always seem to start with a question. You know, there was a question behind the Polaroid instant camera and just many the cell phone and the internet and all these things. Um, the Red Cross, you know, the International Red Cross started with a question, the Olympics started with a question. So um, I found that, you know, that that definition of a beautiful question applied to those kinds of questions, because they were somebody somewhere was asking a really big, ambitious question, why don't we do this? And, um, and it was, uh, it was actionable, it wasn't so um, out there that nothing could be done about it. It was it was mm-hmm. a, a within reach. And then the person would start to work on that question and share it with other people. And eventually it would lead to change in the world in some way. So that became my definition, my working definition of, um, of a beautiful question. And then as far as what you were saying about the beautiful question behind the book, I guess it started out with me wondering why we don't pay more attention to questioning, when it seems to be such an important thing, it seems to be uh, a catalyst for, you know, for growth and change and and all of these things. And so I, I I sort of felt that that was that was kind of the beautiful question that that you know that sort of started the book. Um, it it did evolve into from from that original question of you know why don't we uh, ask more questions or pay more attention to questions it evolved now into my uh sort of asking how can we or how might we encourage people to to value questioning more Mm.
1: i i really like the three components of your sort of definition of a beautiful question the fact that it's uh ambitious that it's actionable and that it leads to some sort of change because being in the field of education uh I think we need to be asking a lot of these ambitious questions, and they need to be, because we're practitioners, we want these questions to be actionable. And certainly, uh, we're looking to bring about some change, at least in our school district, and I think in education in general, too. So I think that's one of the things that your definition really draws us to this, to your, to your book, to your work, and uh, to your ideas about uh, making questioning something that's more common. That yeah, know. that
3: was that was um, really important to me as I started to work on the book to bring that idea of actionable into it, because I felt like, you know, when I would tell people I was working a, on a book about questioning, they would start to ask, well, is it a philosophy book? You know, and, and they would think that I was going to be exploring questions like, you know, why are we here? <laughs> <laughs> you know, what is the greater meaning of life? And um, and. While those are great questions, and, and, and I, I think there's plenty of room for books that deal with those kinds of questions, um, I wanted to bring it down a little bit closer, you know, more down to earth and talk about the kind of questions we can ask about our work or about our lives or about our schools or the community we live in, uh, the kind of questions we can ask that might sort of begin to get people thinking a new way and say, oh, gee, that's an interesting idea. Why don't we think about doing it that way. So I wanted to keep a very practical element to the book so that it didn't you know, veer off into uh, sort of philosophical kinds of questioning. Mm-hmm.
2: So thinking about that and, and making a nice transition to education here, we are working with a group of teachers that we're calling the Innovate Salisbury Team. And as a group, we're working with these teachers to develop a vision for what our classrooms can look like in, in 2020. And we are, um, exploring a lot of different resources and books and podcasts and uh, videos from thought leaders in in the field and certainly we feel like this culture of inquiry is something that we need to develop further and wanted to know what what do you think about why is it so important for us to look at this in education and particularly at this moment in time
3: well i think um a lot of things are we're in a period right now a very dynamic period um, where a lot of things are changing. Um, some of it has to do with technology. Some of it has to do with globalization. Uh, it has to do with just our lives are changing and what we're doing with our lives and the pace of our lives. So it's it's a very dynamic period and a lot of things are having to adapt and undergo uh, change or embark on change. And I think education is definitely one of them you know it's one of the things that is at a point now where we kind of know there needs to be some big changes happening in the way we structure education the way we uh, the way we approach it and um, and I think people are trying to figure it figure it out as they go you know I mean um, it's it's a it's a not an easy thing to change uh, a system of education that's been in place for a while and is has a whole uh, you know, um, system and bureaucracy and structure and processes and everything sort of in place. And um, you, know, you try to s- sort of reinvent that and change it, and it's pretty difficult. Uh, it's challenging, but I think a lot of people are working on it and, and I think it's great and it needs to happen. And, um, and I think as people are doing that, as they are trying to innovate within the field of education Um, You know, they need to be uh, asking the right questions, very fundamental questions. You know, I mean, they need to go back to basics like, you know, what is it that we're educating kids to do? You know, when they get out there into the world as adults, what are they going to be asked to do in the in the 21st century? Uh, What is it that they're being challenged to do now? that maybe um, earlier generations weren't asked to do or weren't expected to do. And so we need to ask very basic questions about the whole system and the goals and the, and the approach. And so that's why I think questioning is so important in education to, to kind of bring that, that uh, mindset that's very open and very willing to uh, challenge assumptions, uh, challenge you know, old ways of doing things we, we're going to need that in order to, to reinvent the system. Mm-hmm. So that's part, that's part A. And then part B is, from the standpoint of the students, you know, questioning is, is I think, is going to be more important than ever for them, you know, for them to learn as a skill and, and master as a skill. And again, this has to do with what I see as, and a lot of people see, as the change in the world that they are going into, that they are that they are going to be a part of, in the years ahead, they are going to be expected to be uh, real self-starters. You know, they're going to have to they're going to have to invent their careers as they go, and they're going to have to reinvent their careers throughout their entire careers. So it's going to be a um, it's going to be a lifetime of innovation, and that will be expected of them. And uh, so, in order to do that, they need the most basic tools that innovators use and And I believe you know one of the most basic tools for any innovator, inventor, um, any creative person, I think one of the most basic tools is the ability to step back and ask really great questions
1: mm-hmm. so in your in your book, you talk uh, in your section on education, you talk about uh, how questioning drops off as children go through the school system so can you share with us why what do you think are some reasons why questioning drops off uh, as kids go through grade by grade by grade and as educators what are some of the things that we can do to sort of reignite this uh, I this skill of being able to ask good questions in our students
3: yeah, well, it's um, I mean, some of it, some of this is is probably has to do with nature. You know, um, kids, uh, uh, young children have a this natural gift for questioning, which seems to really uh, kick in. Well, it starts around age two, and uh, picks up at around age three. And by, <laughs> age, by age four, it is it is peaking. Uh, you know, I, I say in in my talks uh, that uh, a four-year-old girl is the ultimate questioning machine. <laughs> And, um, and it's really true, uh, boys are, a four-year-old boy is right up there with, with a girl, but there's not a big difference. But some of the studies have shown that a four-year-old girl actually asks even more questions than a four-year-old boy. They're both asking hundreds of questions a day. And um, so it's, a, it's this natural gift that, that blossoms. And, uh, and then um, uh, some of the research seems to indicate that right around age five to six, right as kids are coming into school, um, it starts uh, a steady decline uh, in terms of asking questions, particularly in the classroom. Um, it just goes down, down, down. So, you know, why is that happening? Well, you could say, I mean, I I, I would say there are maybe three or four reasons why, uh, you know, some of it may be, um, may have to do with the way our brains develop. Uh, I've talked to, you know, neuroscientists about this and you know, our brains do go through this incredibly expansive period at age four or five, and then there's something called synaptic uh, pruning, where we kind of try to um, consolidate our our resources a little bit. We, we've taken in a huge amount of information, and then we try to sort of get a handle on it. So the uh, the expansion of, of bringing in information slows a little bit, but I don't I don't think that's a the biggest factor there. I think that maybe if that's a factor at all, I don't I think it's probably a a, a small one. I think the biggest thing is that um, the habit of questioning gets uh, sort of discouraged or or not encouraged um, as children get older and go through school. I mean, there is definitely an emphasis in our education system on rewarding answers. We don't really reward questions very much, and we don't send a signal to kids that Their questions are really important, or they're valuable. A lot of times, we save questions for the very end of a class, and we kind of rush through it. And we, we, we almost prefer if nobody has any questions because then we can finish earlier. You know that kind of thing. So I think kids pick up that signal, and you know they understand what has value in our culture and what doesn't, and uh, and so they 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 internalize that. Mm -hmm. Um, There are also just social pressures among your peers when you're a child in terms of wanting to look like you're cool or wanting to seem like you know what's going on. And um, and so people, young people, sometimes get the idea in their heads that if they ask a question, it's a sign of weakness or maybe they're not as smart as everybody else. And uh, so that becomes an issue, too. You know, the idea that maybe it becomes uncool to question, to ask questions at a certain point. So anyway, all of these factors come together, and I think the the end result of them coming together is that most kids or many kids decide, well, I'm just not going to I'm just not going to raise my hand and ask a question. You know, mm-hmm. it's not that important to me, and I better not do it. and uh, And that's what we're dealing with, and that's what we're trying to, or we should be trying to um, reverse that trend or figure out how do we how do we Get that to not happen, and how do we get that four-year-old or five-year-old who is so willing to ask questions to to continue to feel comfortable asking questions as they get older?
2: I heard on your Leader Lab podcast this idea of challenging teachers to spend an hour a week helping kids develop develop questions and to explicitly teach it the same way we are explicitly teaching other other factors of our curriculum and to embed that habit, as you call it. So interesting, interesting yeah. approach. Yeah, so, I think that's,
3: that's a big part of it. I think you have to um, you have to create a space within the within the classroom, uh, within the, um, the schedule uh, where people focus on questioning. So it can't be this thing that is just sort of off to the side or something we take for granted and don't really don't really focus on or pay attention to. It has to be looked at if we want to address this situation and we want to improve kids questioning, I think we have to, you know, designate some kind of a period or some kind of a, a situation where the whole purpose is to ask questions and people are rewarded for doing it and people are expected to do it and they're taught how to do it. And so um, there's a lot of ways you can do that. There are different exercises, different approaches. Maybe you can develop your own exercise if you're a teacher, you know, but I just think that you have to create that, that space uh, on a regular basis where you're saying, okay, now we're going to focus on questioning. We're going to focus on you, the student, formulating questions. It's not going to be, be about me, the teacher, coming up with great questions for you. It's going to be about you thinking of questions yourself.
2: And to be able to do that, we need to model the way both as leaders and as teachers. So how do we as adults get better at questioning? Um, can you share with us a, a couple of strategies or tricks or tools that would help us?
3: Well, I think that, um, you know, what, what I found in the book, I studied people who were good questioners. And, you know, it really starts with just taking the time to do it. Um, the, the problem with with stopping to ask questions is that most of us are too busy to do it, and we feel like we don't have time for that. We're in a we're in a world where you just have to you're expected to do do do, um, come up with answers, get things done, solve problems, and um, and I think questioning is often an activity that involves reflection. It involves slowing down um, and really thinking about things uh, and wondering about things. Um, I use the phrase in the book "stepping back." Um, I feel like when you question, you have to step back. Uh, that means uh, stepping back in a number of different ways. It's, it's stepping back from your hectic, crazy schedule so that you can take the time to think about things and notice things. It's about stepping back in terms of trying to see things differently. Um, you know, we all are very close to things in our lives. We're close to our, our the way we work. Uh, our our situations our problems our families our friends we're very close to them and these things and we we n- may not see them with a fresh eye so part of questioning is about stepping back and looking at things as if you were seeing them for the first time uh seeing things with a with a the eye of a child or a beginner's mind you know so that you can then ask gee why are we doing it that way you know or that's interesting that we've we have this particular kind of approach in place. But have we thought about why we're doing it that way? And does it still make sense today? So I think this is all part of how adults become better at questioning. It's that sort of slowing down, uh, taking a step back and then being willing to wonder about things and challenge assumptions. Uh, Another part of it is being willing to share your questions when you do notice something interesting or you are wondering about something, are you willing to take that question out there into the world and share it with people? Mm -hmm. You know, all the stories in the book about change and innovation usually involve someone wondering about something and then sharing that question with other people. And those people would help the original questioner to begin to work on the problem. So um, so those are the things we have to do, I think. And, uh, you know, beyond that, I also there's a there's a in the book I talk about the fact that when you're questioning, as you become a, a, a proficient questioner, there are systems you can use of ways you can ask questions or, um, uh, you know, sequences of questioning that can help you solve problems. And uh, there's a lot of stuff like that. But um, but I think it really starts with just being willing uh, to to take the time to wonder and then being willing to share your questions with others. Mm-hmm.
2: So jump in. <laughs> you know, get teachers to just start trying it. and um, you know, we certainly have some strategies that we've learned and used in the past. So, for example, I'm thinking about this KWL chart and maybe you're not familiar with that is an, in not knowing the education, but but basically it's a strategy where teachers ask kids what they know about a topic or what they think they know about a topic. Mm-hmm. And um, then invite them. The W is for what do you want to learn? And um, mm-hmm. this would be a great entry point to, to connect to. So thinking about that.
1: The idea of culture is going through my head because I'm approaching this obviously from a leadership perspective. So I'm thinking, how do I create this culture, this environment in which my teachers and our other fellow leaders are willing to put those, uh, those questions out there? And, and how it has to be a sort of a risk-taking culture, a culture where... Um, people feel really comfortable, uh, sort of exposing their their ideas uh, in in that in that culture. So I think culture is something that emerges in my head when you're talking about. this. Yeah, things.
3: well, it's something I've been talking about a lot. Um, I talk about it a little bit in the book, but it, but since the book came out, it's been a big issue. Um, you know, a number of businesses, uh, uh, companies have have bought, read the book, come across the book, and and they have approached me and said, well, how can we make this part of our culture as a company? How do we, we want our company to be more, uh, we want people to be more curious. We want them to to be asking more questions. And And so I've had a lot of discussions about how you develop a culture of inquiry. And, you know, I don't know that there's any, no one has developed the a, a foolproof formula for it. But what there are certain common denominators, and 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 one of the things is that the leadership uh, has to demonstrate mm-hmm. curiosity themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, whoever whoever is in the leadership position has to be asking questions a lot, and and then welcoming the questions of everyone around them, including people you know that are that are far down the the organizational chart, okay? So, you know, one of the ideas of having a questioning culture is that you need the leaders to ask questions, but they shouldn't be the only ones asking questions. Everyone throughout the organization should be asking questions and should feel comfortable doing that and sharing those questions uh, with, with others. And so I think that's what you have to try to develop. And I think it really just is about you know, it's a lot of it is about giving people permission to do it and making it safe. That's true both in classrooms with students mm-hmm. and it's true with adults in companies. It's the same thing, really. You have to make questioning safe and you, people have to feel like if I ask questions, I'm not going to be seen as a troublemaker or a, I'm not going to be seen as someone who's wasting time. Um, You know, you have to get that signal out there to students or to employees at a company. Uh, Once you do that, I think you will find that a lot of people, a lot of students and a lot of adults uh, in the workplace are curious. They are naturally curious. They do have great observations. They do have things they wonder about. And you just have to create a culture where they're free to express that.
1: Yeah mm-hmm. I th- I think these I- these are really wonderful ideas because I think it it connects to our leadership challenge. Mm-hmm. And that if we look at public education in general, uh, it's it's not necessarily a risk-taking culture. It's a top-down culture. Mm-hmm. You know, we get the federal government tells <laughs> the state government what to do and the state government tells the superintendents what to do and the <laughs> superintendent tells the te- the principals what to do and the principal, it's this very, t- you know, it goes all the way down to the students. And uh, it's, it's, you know, we don't want questions typically. Um, we don't. You know, don't ask me why we're doing that. We're just doing it because the policymakers tell us to do that. So our leadership challenge is how do we sort of fend that off and change our own internal culture um, to be one more of inquiry. And I think your idea of the the leadership really taking taking the the lead and uh, sort of leading from an inquiry stance and modeling that um, can help to create that that culture that's necessary.
3: Yeah, I think one of the things that, that I've been saying is that um, for questioning to happen, uh, it, it requires, um, I've been using the phrase, small acts of insurrection.
1: Okay.
3: And, um, and, and that's ha- almost at every level, because if you look at a bureaucracy, um, you're probably not going to be able to go. If you look at a bureaucracy such as the education system, um, you're probably not going to be able to go all the way to the top of that bureaucracy ideally you would want the change to start at the top and then and then work its way down through the system um, we can't count on that change happening at the top because to change the way government thinks about say education is very it, it, it can be difficult you know <laughs> so um, so I think what I, the way I see it is that everybody at every level has a responsibility for trying to bring as much of this, kind of thinking as they can into their immediate domain that they have control over. So if it's a principal of a school, you know, the principal, rather than thinking about the larger education system and what they're forcing on him or her, they have to think about what they can do within their own school. And, and you take that all the way down to a teacher, and a teacher has to think about what he or she can do within their own classroom and and sometimes you may be doing things that are not part of the official curriculum you know but you may be creating a a questioning exercise that maybe is not you know going to be on the on the, uh, the the standardized tests you know but it's something that you believe that it's going to help your students and so you find a place for it somewhere you find a way to do it and i think that right now that's that's kind of the way questioning has to happen until it becomes so accepted and appreciated that the people who are designing our, our, our curricula and our school systems, finally, they may get the message and then it will become part of the official way of doing things. But I don't know. That may be a way off. I, you know, that may be a ways off. And so in the meantime, I think people have to figure out their own ways of, of bringing more questioning into the environment.
2: So you're talking about infusing questioning to create this culture of inquiry at, at all levels of the organization. What do you see as dangers of not being able to ask questions or welcome questions um, within the organization?
3: Well, I think any any um, when you when you shut down questioning, a lot of bad things happen. Um, number one, people become less engaged. Uh, if if and this this is, we see this with students because at the same time that that they're questioning. Uh, drops off in school, so does their engagement level.
2: Mm-hmm. And,
3: and I think it's true also in the workplace. I think if people are, right now there's a tremendous problem in the workplace, uh, certainly true in the American workplace. I'm not sure how true it is globally, but I would bet it, it's also true in lots of other places. But there's a big problem in the American workplace of uh, workers not being engaged. And um, they're only bringing a small part of themselves to their job. And the rest of it, they're just leaving outside, and and so what happens when people can't exercise their curiosity, when they can't ask questions, when they can't wonder about things? It means they're not using their full intellectual capabilities, and they're and they're just not there 100% on the job. So I think um, the the danger of not uh, encouraging questioning and having a culture of inquiry is that people are going to be disengaged and you will not get the best out of people. And uh, And so an organization that, that does this is not going to get great ideas out of people. It's not going to, it's not going to innovate. It's going to be kind of stale. And uh, a school that does this is not going to bring the best out of their students. Mm-hmm. It's not going to bring the best ideas out of their students. And the school will become stale in a way, you know, mm-hmm. people will just be going through the motions. So I think this is the great danger of, of not, Pursuing questioning, and um, and and it's the other danger is just that you know as I had said earlier we're in this time of of innovation and and we all need to be asking a lot of questions and and so if you if you don't encourage that your organization is is going to fall behind.
1: So let's take this idea of beautiful questions in a slightly different direction as we come to the conclusion of our interview here with you. What? Beautiful questions. Are you currently thinking about? I mean, I'm so obsessed with
3: this this <laughs> idea since I since I got into the book. Um, you know, it, my in my past as a journalist and an author, I would usually take on a subject, work on it for a while, and then and then move on to another subject and and just start fresh. Uh, but with questioning, it has it has become such a big issue for me, and I think it's so important that I, I am working on, you know, questions that have to do with questioning. So it's, uh, it, I'm, I'm pursuing big questions about, you know, how might we, I love the phrase, how might I, or how might we, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in terms of solving problems, that's in the book, I talk about that. But, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of, you know, how might we as a culture, you know, um, bring more questioning into the classroom. And at the same time, I'm thinking about you know how might uh, companies uh, encourage people at all level to ask uh, more questions? Uh, how might we get leaders um, to feel uh, safe and comfortable asking questions? Uh, it's a big issue for leaders. They sometimes feel like they can't ask questions because they have to be the person with the answers. And it takes a lot of confidence for a leader to ask questions in front of other people. Mm-hmm. So how might we you know, make questioning uh, be seen as a leadership trait instead of a, a, a possible weakness. Yeah. Uh, so these are the kinds of questions that I'm, I'm, I'm thinking. Of. I'm thinking about how do you develop all kinds of exercises that will uh, stimulate the questioning habit and 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 get people to um, become better at, at sharpening their questions. Uh, how do you how do you refine that skill? Um, these are all things that, you know, they've been studied a little bit here and there. Some people have talked about it. Some people have have done a little bit of work on it, but a lot of it is, is new. A lot of it is, seems to be areas that are wide open. And so that's where I'm, my questions are focused.
1: Well, we think those are wonderful questions (laughs) and, uh, we, we really admire your passion for this topic. (laughs) And when we read your book, we just knew that we had to reach out to you because, your thinking about this idea of beautiful questions is, is something that we're, we're trying to ask or find out what are those beautiful questions that we need to ask our stakeholders, our parents, our students, our mm-hmm. teachers, as we begin to redefine um, what we want our classrooms to look like. So we uh, really appreciate your time this afternoon.
3: Yeah, this is really a pleasure talking to you, and I really enjoyed our conversation.
2: Certainly looking forward to hearing more about the strategies to sharpen and refine that skill of, of questioning, hopefully your next your next work.
3: <laughs> yeah, it probably will be my next one.
2: <laughs> that sounds great. So thank you so much for joining us, Warren. Um, you know, certainly it was interesting to hear about questions as an engagement strategy and, and one that, to reiterate, we're working with our, our team of teachers, leaders, and students, and um, you've given us a lot to think about and a lot that we can take back to our team. So thank you.
3: Thank you very much.
2: If you'd like to learn more about Warren, visit his website, a morebeautifulquestion.com or warrenberger.com and follow Warren on Twitter at Glimmer Guy.
1: Each episode, we leave our listeners with a question or two for us to think about with the idea of provoking conversation. So, this episode's question is How does inquiry, asking questions, play into your work to transform teaching and learning in your school or classroom? If you've enjoyed today's episode, would like to comment, or just find out more about the resources and links that we talked about in today's episode, check out the show notes at tltalkradio.org and look for Season 2, Episode 7. We would love for you to rate the show in iTunes, let us know a star rating, and consider leaving a one- or two-sentence review. If you have time to do that, you'll help new folks discover this content. We'll see you next episode for a conversation with another innovative thought leader. Thanks again, Lynn. Thanks again, Warren. And have a great day.
2: Thanks so much. Bye, Warren. Okay, thank you. appreciate
3: it. That was fun.